What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin this morning with a political shift of sorts in Israel. Protests have raged across the country for months after a sweeping proposal to overhaul Israel's judicial system. But now, Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be softening his stance. That's the news he gave us in an exclusive Bloomberg interview. Netanyahu says he will not pursue the entire overhaul as originally planned. I'm still going to give it several months to try to get another consensus. What is it? It would probably be about the composition of the uh, committee that elects judges. I don't think we should move from one extreme where we have perhaps the most activist judicial court on the planet to getting to a point where the legislature, our Knesset, can just knock out any decision that the court makes. There has to be a balance. That's what we're trying to restore. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu also tells us he wants to deepen his country's economic and business ties with Saudi Arabia. Stay tuned for more of that interview coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak. And Nathan, politics is also front and center here in the U.S. as Donald Trump's indictments weigh on the race for president. According to a new CBS News YouGov poll, more than half of Americans say the former president tried to stay in office through illegal means. Trump's lawyer, John Laurel, made the rounds on the Sunday political talk shows defending the former president. Here he is on ABC's This Week. It's up to the government to prove these things. The defense has no obligation to prove anything. We put the government to its test. The government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that President Trump had criminal intent. Trump lawyer John Laurel was a guest on nearly all of the Sunday shows, which you can hear every week right here on Bloomberg Radio. Well, back on Wall Street, Amy, economic data are in focus again this week. The latest reading on consumer prices comes out Thursday. That could help the Federal Reserve decide its next move. Right now, Fed Governor Michelle Bowman says more rate hikes may be needed, while Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic says the central bank may be done. At the same time, Bostic sees policy staying tighter for longer. I'm not expecting this to be, you know, a two month or a three month period. I, my outlook is that we'll still be in a restrictive territory well into 2024. Atlanta Fed Chief Rafael Bostic made those comments on a special edition of Bloomberg's Wall Street Week. Subscribe or download the show wherever you get your podcasts. And we have earnings to tell you about this morning. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway beat results in its latest report. Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini has the tales. Billionaire Warren Buffett's conglomerate is reporting second quarter operating profit that beat the average analyst estimate thanks in part to strengthen insurance units and also its acquisition of Allegheny. But Berkshire had to raise prices and cut advertising at Geico to make those numbers. And that could already be backfiring. Over the last 12 months, policies in force fell by 2.7 million, suggesting a loss of market share. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Denise, thank you. And it's going to be another busy week for earnings with results from nearly three dozen companies in the S&P 500 expected. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet joins us with that. 
We've heard from roughly 80% of S&P 500 companies, but there will be plenty more to come this week amid questions about current market valuations given the prospects for corporate earnings. Nadia Lovell is Senior U.S. Equity Strategist at UBS Financial Services. We're looking for sort of mid-single-digit growth over the next 12 months, and so we think that this market is probably capped as a result of the earnings outlook. Among this week's most closely watched reports will be Walt Disney, UPS, Lilly, take two Entertainment and Rivian Automotive. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Charlie. Elsewhere in corporate news, trucking firm Yellow has officially filed for bankruptcy following years of financial woes for Yellow that were compounded by a labor force dispute. The shutdown leaves roughly 30,000 employees jobless. It comes on the heels of a controversial $700 million pandemic relief loan that Yellow received three years ago. Congressional investigators <coughs> concluded last year that the company was ineligible for the loan. And overseas, Amy, it looks like Credit Suisse is making cuts in Asia. That's according to Reuters, which says the firm is laying off about 80% of its Hong Kong-based investment banking staff. Hong Kong accounts for the biggest share of investment bankers in Asia for Credit Suisse. Although Big Tech has already reported earnings for this quarter, we still have some news out of Silicon Valley. Elon Musk resurrecting the idea of a cage fight with Mark Zuckerberg and promising to stream it live. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter with those details. As the business competition grows with Meta's threads and Musk's X, Musk has posted that the fight will be streamed on X. So the question would seem to be, is Musk just social media trolling again, or has he heard more from Zuckerberg, who had earlier responded for Musk to let him know where and when? Zuckerberg is a martial arts enthusiast who's participated this year in competition, and Musk says he has been lifting weights throughout the day in preparation. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Ed. And we are learning this morning that the timing of the alleged fight may be in flux. That's according to Elon Musk, who says he's getting an MRI on his neck and upper back and may need surgery before the fight can happen. And hot temperatures across the U.S. were back in focus over the weekend. Triple-digit temperatures in Texas put pressure on the power grid, causing prices to jump more than 800 percent. Households and businesses in the state used a record amount of electricity, but the grid held up throughout the weekend. This is Bloomberg. And time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. Russia launched more than 70 missiles and drones at Ukraine in one of its biggest assaults in recent weeks, an escalation of force after two Russian ships were hit and damaged by drones in the Black Sea. Father Oleg Miroslav of the Transfiguration Cathedral, an Orthodox cathedral ravaged by a Russian missile last month, was asked about Russian President Vladimir Putin. Miroslav speaking to a reporter through a translator. Can Vladimir Putin be called a true Christian? Of course not. I don't even have to think about it, because Christians don't kill others. They help each other. Should Vladimir Putin be forgiven? Every person deserves to be forgiven, but the most important judgment comes from God. 
Meanwhile, the footprint of President Vladimir Putin's war on Ukraine is growing fast after a weekend in which sea drones crippled a Russian naval vessel and oil tanker. The attacks put at risk Russia's commodity exports via the Black Sea, a route that accounts for most of the grain and 15 to 20 percent of the oil that Russia sells daily on global markets. Significantly higher insurance and shipping costs are likely to follow from Moscow. A firefighting tragedy in California. An emotional briefing overnight. Cal Fire official David Fulcher confirming that there were multiple deaths when two choppers collided Sunday as the crew members battled a brush fire in Riverside County. The first helicopter is able to land safely nearby. Unfortunately, the second helicopter crashed and tragically all three members perished, uh, which included one Cal Fire division chief one Cal Fire fire captain, and one contract pilot. Cal Fire's David Fulcher. In Portugal, Pope Francis is wrapping up his five-day trip there. The Pope was greeted by massive crowds, including the biggest one yesterday for World Youth Day in Lisbon. Roughly 800,000 young Catholics gathered to see Pope Francis at the once-every-three-year festival. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Amy, by far the worst Women's World Cup for the United States. Barely made it out of group play, and then its earliest exit ever, failing to even reach the quarterfinals. The U.S. lost to Sweden. Scoreless play for two hours. The U.S. had a 3-2 lead in the penalty kicks and then lost 5-4. Megan Rapino missed her. We played really well. I'm so happy for us that we went out like that, um, playing the way that we did and, you know, having a ton of joy on the ball. Um, I mean, this is like a sick joke. For me personally, I'm just like, this is dark comedy. I missed a penalty. Pino on Fox Sports after the game. She had not missed a PK plane for her country since 2018. It was her final match playing for the U.S. Same with Julie Ertz. Meanwhile, Lionel Messi, two more goals. He has scored seven in his first four games playing for Miami and MLS. They trailed 4-2 and rallied to beat Dallas in penalty kicks. Wyndham Golf and Greensboro, Lucas Glover, 20 under par, one by two. At the Live event in West Virginia, Bryson DeChambeau, who had a 61 on Saturday, came back with a round of 58. That would have tied the PGA record. Jim Furyk had a 58 back in 2016. Baseball, the Orioles' 70th win of the season. They shut out the Mets 2-0. The Nationals won 6-3 at Cincinnati. The Red Sox swept at home by Toronto. Blue Jays won 13-1. Battle of the Bay, the A's beat the Giants 8-6. John Stanshower, Bloomberg Sports. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. 
Com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. For months, protests have gripped Israel. The demonstrations have been targeted at a controversial judicial overhaul imposed by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. He says Israel's system allows judges to play too big a role in government, and he's outlined plans to change how judges are selected. That did spark the largest anti-government protest movement in Israel's history. Now, in an exclusive interview with Bloomberg News, Prime Minister ben, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be softening his stance. He sat down for that wide-ranging conversation with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix, saying he now will not pursue the entire judicial overhaul. Let's listen into that conversation now. Well, I think that we've already done quite a bit. I've stopped the uh, uh, judicial legislation uh, for three months, seeking consensus from the other side, unfortunately not getting it then brought in a relatively minor part of the reform, passed it, and then said, I'm still going to give it several months to try to get another consensus. What is it? It would probably be about the composition of the uh, committee that elects mm-hmm. judges. With the selection uh, of the judges? Yes. How they're selected? Right. That's, that's basically what's left. Uh, and because other things, I think we should not legislate. I don't think we should move from one extreme where we have perhaps the most activist judicial court on the planet to getting to a point where the legislature, our Knesset, can just knock out any decision that the court makes. There has to be a balance. That's what we're trying to restore. So, so Prime Minister, when, when you look at the, the change in selection for the judges, how quickly could that come? Well, if we get a compromise, it could come immediately. If we can't get a buy-in from the, from, uh, the opposition in the parliament, there's always a buy-in from the public. What is the the thing that the public accepts. And I'm giving it my best shot. I'm spending, uh, I wouldn't say, 24 hours a day on it. I'd say about 12 hours a day. And and, and if the public is not behind it, what do you do? Do you delay? Do you I think you should choose something that has broad acceptance. Which looks like what? Which looks like something that I'd like to negotiate, not not even on Bloomberg. Okay, but but give me a flavor of, of is it walking back some of the, the some of the things that have been said by certain I, ministers I think, around you? Oh, ministers can say anything. I don't control <laughs> words in our parliamentary system. I control deeds, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and that has to be understood. Uh, but you, since you know uh, the European system, you know that unlike a presidential system, you don't control the. Uh, uh, you know, what is said by members of your cabinet. But, but you can ask them to tone it down. Have you asked them to tone it down? A hundred times. And they're listening? I succeeded 50 times. And you'll you don't, you to don't do always so? succeed. You don't always succeed. Uh, but that's what's important to understand is what is, when the dust settles, yeah. are we going to have Israel that is uh, more, is stronger democratically or is it weaker democratically? Is it something where 
you're going to have the, the balance that you need between the will of the majority and the rights of the minority or individual rights. Has that been strengthened, that balance, or has it been weakened? I maintain that it will be strengthened. It certainly will not be Prime, weakened. Prime Minister, there are a lot of questions, especially from investors, especially from businesses, mm -hmm. because you always need a body that makes mm -hmm. sure that anything that the government passes is legal. And there's maybe a perception problem, but this is weakened. So what is the message to business investors and to markets right now? I don't think it's weakened. I think the ultimate, actually, I think the ultimate regulator of dem in democracies are not uh, courts, but are uh, the public choice. I think that's a fundamental misconception of how democracies work. We always the, need someone to, to overlook that. But if you have a lousy government, then they're not reelected. That's the most important thing. The most important regulator but, is the political markets. But I don't think that we should in any way weaken the courts. There's a difference between, uh, between uh, an independent court and an all-powerful court. And I think what we're trying to do is bring back it to Israel, where it was in its first 50 years, where there was an adequate balance between the courts, the legislature, and the executive. But, Prime Minister, there, there's a perception problem, maybe, if that's what you think, but there's certainly a division in this country with hundreds of thousands of people protesting and market participants worried about what happens next. What's your message to them? When the dust settles, Israel will not only will remain a democracy, it will be even a stronger democracy, but more importantly, it will not in any way impair the enormous uh, business and uh, economic capabilities of Israel in the new uh, technological age. But, Prime Minister, when does this dust settle? So far, you haven't even been prepared to say that you will follow what the Supreme Court decides. No, we follow October. what the Supreme Court decides, and the Supreme Court so far has also followed the, the basic rule of not, yes. uh, not striking down basic laws, which they themselves deem are the basis of the Constitution. Both things have to be maintained. So would you tell markets and investors today that whatever they decide, right, there's a, there's a, a something big that's going to be decided in the next couple of months, you will abide by that? I, I hope that we don't get into a constitutional crisis. I think we won't. I think there's a way of uh, reaching uh, an equitable compromise, which is what I'm trying to do. Now, right. if, I, if I reveal to you everything that I'm trying to do, okay. I won't be able to do it. But the market wants to understand that there's nothing worse for the markets or investors to actually be in a limbo where you're not sure exactly what will happen or, or how the government will react. I'm will, absolutely will you abide sure. by the ruling? I'm absolutely sure that uh, Israel will come out stable. Uh, and successful and democratic, at least as democratic, in my view, more democratic. I don't think we're going to tear the country apart. I don't think you're going to have civil war. I think right now what you're seeing is the natural, uh, the natural uh, conflict between two opposing views that have not yet meshed, uh, but they will mesh. Do you, do you support your central bank governor, who is very well respected internationally? Sure. I, I appointed him. Do, will you back him for, for another term? He has to decide, I think, by, by next month. Well, I haven't talked to him yet, but I will. But uh, I've uh, guarded, uh, I would say, rigorously uh, his independence, the independence of the central bank, and that will continue to be the policy. Uh, I will talk to him, but uh, you wouldn't believe this, but we just not had the opportunity to discuss that. But, but Prime Minister, when you talk to him, will you ask him to stay on? Possibly. I want to think about him. Uh, I haven't, well, I haven't what are you thinking time. now? I think he's been a, a, an exceptional uh, central bank director, uh, and I think that's a possibility that I'll have to talk to him about. What, one of your ministers, I think, called him a savage for, so, for raising interest rates. Yeah, well, my ministers in our hectic parliamentary system can say anything, but uh, it's a fact that we've never intervened with uh, the independence of the central bank, and we won't. And, and so you in fact, I, I think I 
pass some laws or corrective uh, additional laws that safeguarded the independence of the central bank, I do not want the government uh, broaching in on what the central bank has to do. So do you support the interest rate hikes? I leave that decision to the central bank. You know, I've had several central bank directors uh, because I've been in government a long time. Uh, I think in a few months I'll be probably more time in as prime minister than uh, anybody in the Western world for the last half century. So I've had a lot of central bank directors to talk to. I always talk to them in a padded room, absolutely sound proof that we could, uh, you know, hurl at each other whatever we want. But when I come out, I always give backing to the central bank director. But, uh, Prime Minister, it, it would be pretty powerful, a pretty powerful message to the markets, given the divisions and given the turmoil, if you were to ask him to stay on. Could be. That's a, consi that, that's a consideration. I'll, I'll consider it. But do, do you agree? Would that be a powerful message? I think the powerful message is the independence of the central bank. Uh, and I think the choices that I've made in bringing in central bank directors, uh, whether it was Stanley Fisher, Uh, and uh, uh, after him, uh, uh, the current uh, central bank director, I think uh, people see that we choose and choose well. And, and that will not change. And, and some others in between, I don't want to... And, and that will not change? No, it will. You're overhauling the judiciary, but, but, but the central bank won't be... I'm not overhauling the judiciary. I'm correcting the judiciary to where it was. I don't think we'll get there, but to where it was at Israel's first, first 50 years uh, before the judicial... Uh, imbalance was created, and I'm trying to bring it back modestly into line. This is described as the end of democracy. Why? Why is it described as the end of democracy? Because we say that the judiciary in Israel, and in Israel alone, cannot say, I'm striking down a government decision or a, or a, a parliamentary law simply because I think it's unreasonable. That doesn't exist to that extent in but any Prime of the Minister, democracies. No, but it's a check and balance. And this is what, again, this is what investors are worried about. There's so plenty of checks. Kind of, so I was going to ask you, what's your message today for a business that wants to come here that's a little bit nervous about what they can do longer term? There is no absence of checks. In Israel, the courts have all the checks, but they have no balance. So if you're concerned that the court will not be able to intervene in certain decisions, they've got a hundred different checks on that. But one thing that they, we, we want to have is not to be able to, uh, to uh, have the court intervene on anything, on any matter, without any reference to any statute or any law. I mean, that, that is not democracy. Prime Minister, it's my understanding they've only done that a handful of times. But if you're an investor today, right, mm -hmm. and you look at Israel that has to deal with Saudi, that has to deal with Iran, why are, are you falling on the sword about the judiciary? I'm not falling on the sword. I'm trying to correct an imbalance because people, because millions of Israelis vote time and again for governments who want to have uh, certain uh, government policies, okay? And the governments are elected, and they want to enact their policies, and the, uh, the uh, Supreme Court often intervenes uh, in ways that nullifies the will of the majority without any reference to a law. For example, I'll give you an example. Uh, we have uh, foreign workers, okay? Israel has been able to prevent the entry but, of uh, foreign And Prime Minister, we're fully aware, but were you upset by hundreds of thousands of people in the street? Well, there have been hundreds of thousands of the others. That's a, a reflection of democracy. Nobody, nobody, describes, know, nobody describes the other side. We had a quarter of a million people in the street the other day supporting the uh, judicial reform. You didn't hear a, a word about but, it. But Prime Minister, you were the one that brought people together, right, mm -hmm. that, that build bridges. Mm -hmm. What's happened? 
Well, because I, A, it didn't happen overnight. When I uh, did the economic reforms that made Israel uh, an economic juggernaut, a free market economy, technological economy, I had huge demonstrations. I had a five-month national strike, three months and two months, from the, uh, the labor union. I had, uh, when I tried to get, take the gas out of the, the seabed, I had the same people who are organizing the strikes now saying this is the end of democracy, this will destroy our environment, mind you, taking sub substituting gas for coal, destroying the environment. But it's the same thing. Now they're saying we're destroying the de democracy. That's nonsense. But I understand it's nonsense in my view. It's not, not, not nonsense in their view. They're generally concerned. Uh, and I, I think there's a happy middle ground there. I've always found it uh, in other matters, whether it was in defense or Iran or free market economies or taking gas out of the, the, the seabed. I'll find it here as well. Again, there's so much nervousness right out there. When you speak to investors and when you speak to the markets, give me a sense of what you would be able to do or to give to normalize a relationship with Saudi Arabia. Well, uh, Saudi Arabia, I think, is... Uh, one of the exceptional things that tells you why I'm very optimistic about Israel. Really one of two reasons, one of two main reasons. One is that, uh, well, I'll start with Saudi Arabia, but then I'll get with the other one. Uh, I think that we're about to witness a pivot of history, maybe. I can't guarantee that it'll happen. But first there is an economic corridor of energy, transport, uh, and uh, communications that naturally goes through our geography, from the Arabian Peninsula, from Asia to the Arabian Peninsula to Europe. We're going to realize that. Yeah. And by the way, my sense is we're going to realize that despite uh, whether we have formal peace or not. But um, do you have to give concessions? So we understand probably, Saudi Arabia. Some, some but so I what would So what would you give? Would you, would you limit, for example, Jewish settlements in the, in the West well, Bank? Again, you, you have a, a good penchant as a good journalist to try to uh, eke out from me the, uh, my negotiation stance, and uh, of course you're not going to succeed, but you could keep on trying. But do I think it's uh, feasible to have that? And what, do I think that uh, political questions will block it? I doubt it. If there's political will, there'll be a political way to achieve uh, normalization and a formal peace between Israel and Saudi Arabia. But Prime Minister, I'm that, that has enormous economic consequences yeah. for your investors. And if they have to bet on it right, right. now, I'd bet on it, but I can't guarantee it. And Prime Minister, this is why I'm, I'm not trying to ink out negotiation of you are. I'm yeah. trying to understand yeah. what you're willing to give because this is such an important partnership for well, Israel. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm not willing to give. I'm not willing to give anything that will endanger Israel's security. That I will not do. But uh, I think there's enough room to discuss possibilities. I don't so, think, so I, I think the like Palestinian thing is uh, brought in all the time. It was always brought in. Uh, and it's sort of a, a checkbox, you know, you have right. to check it to yeah. say that you're doing it. Do they, do, is that what is being said in corridors? Is that what is being said in, uh, uh, in discrete negotiations? I don't know, you tell me. What's uh, being the said? answer is a lot less than you think. Okay, so if you look at, for example, giving the Palestinians mm -hmm. their own state, is that something that you would, is that a red line? It won't be their own state. It'll be an Iranian-controlled state that will... Uh, in, in an area that is about the width of the Washington Beltway. If you take Israel and the uh, Palestinian areas in Judea, Samaria, the West Bank, together, it's a little more than the, the width of the Washington Beltway. You put a Palestinian state, which will be controlled by Iran, 
uh, in half of that or in, a, in, a, in the middle of that, uh, you won't have a Palestinian state. You'll have right. uh, an Iranian uh, uh, terror state. And so that's, that's a no? Of course would, it's a no, yes. So the, under no circumstances would you allow that? No, what I said often is that the way that I would uh, have a solution is two things about that. One, uh, that w the Palestinians should have all the powers to govern themselves mm -hmm. and none of the powers to threaten Israel. This means that in whatever final settlement, peace settlement, we have with the Palestinians, Israel remains the over, uh, I would say Israel has the uh, overriding security mm -hmm. power in the entire area, ours and theirs. Otherwise, we collapse, they collapse. Prime Minister, you're going to UNGA in New York, I believe, yes, yes. second week or third week of September. Yes. Will yes. you meet with Donald Trump? With, I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you're the first. You're the, the first <laughs> you're the first to have suggested it. No, I haven't. Are, are you expecting an invitation to, to the White House from President Biden? Well, we, he said that we are going to beat, so uh, I'll leave it up to him. What are you most excited for going to UNGA? Uh, well, I've been there many years. You know, I know, many my times. What am I most uh, excited about? Uh, the uh, the possibility of broadening the uh, already historic Abraham Accords. I think this will be, this will change history. I think it will not only end the Arab-Israeli conflict, not the Palestinian-Israeli yeah. conflict, but our conflict with 98% of the Arab world. It will also, I think, create a new peace between the Jewish state yeah. and the Muslim world. But, Prime Minister, the, it, the countries of the Abraham Accords, some of them have been frustrated, right, about some of the noise that's been coming out of your government. Mm -hmm. Will you will you meet with them to try and reassure them? Well, we, we meet with them all the time, and uh, we reassure them all the time. But I think I think there are, some of them are habituated to the fact that noise is noise. And I think that's true of the markets, too. There's a lot of noise in the market. But if you look at the fundamentals of Israel, mm -hmm. if you look at the growth rate, which is double the United States, expected mm -hmm. now, you look at the deficit, which is 1.5 at most percent mm -hmm. compared to 5.5 percent in the U.S. If you look at the debt to GDP, which is 60 percent, which is less than 100 percent in the U.S., and you know what it's like in the EU. And if you look at... Uh, if you look at the investments, I mean, NVIDIA builds here the supercomputer. Intel just puts yeah. $25 billion for a, I mean, a chip plant. I mean, these are prospects longer term, but, but you're but right. That's, but the long, that's my point, that there's noise in the short-term markets. Yeah. There's clarity in the long-term markets. I mean, uh, um, now uh, Amazon just invests uh, $7 billion in cloud services here. Why are they doing that? Because they know something right. I'm going to do. And the yes. thing that I'm going to do, and I'd like to bring it to your investors' attention, uh, a few years ago, 10 years ago, I decided that Israel would be one of the 10 cyber powers in the world, one of the five. We've become one of the more than five, uh, higher than that. Now I think that what we're going to do is, and what I'm organizing is government, a government uh, 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 policy and a government uh, board with money to make Israel one of the three top AI powers in the world. Prime Minister, what do you say to investors that worry that you've changed in terms of priorities? I haven't. My priorities are peace, prosperity, and security. Uh, I think that they're all dependent on prosperity, to have the, the yeah. ability to fund the, uh, the defense needs that we have and to expand the peace. The prosperity is based on Israel's supreme technological prowess. We are, uh, you know, people rated us seventh on the AI, on the AI list. You know why? Because of the absence of government policy. I'm changing that, mm -hmm. and I'm going to announce in about uh, six weeks the government policy, the organization, the project leader 
for a host of civilian and military AI that will thrust Israel right up there. If you're an investor and you're not seeing that the added value yeah. that is going to accrue to uh, national economies is based on their ability yeah. to generate That's AI and use AI. AI, use AI, this is not hype. This is Israel, and I we know, have but done that. worried about the shorter term, but thank you so much for your time. Oh, Prime but, but uh, <laughs> remember this. Here's a good one. This is recorded today, right? Now we should look at one year from now. That's pretty short okay. term. And we'll see, was I right in telling you that Israel right now is undervalued? You should invest in Israel. Smart money is coming into Israel now, like these big firms, because well, they understand that we're, we're going to a good place. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed by 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Amy Morris. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.